Welcome to the Recruitment Hackers Podcast, a show about innovations, technology, and leaders in the recruitment industry. Brought to you by TalkPush, the leading recruitment automation platform. Hello, welcome back to the Recruitment Hackers Podcast. I'm your host, Max Somberster, and today I'm delighted to welcome Lindsay Witcher, who is VP for Global Practice Strategy and Solution at Rise Smart, which is part of the Randstad Group and an expert on internal mobility which is maybe the hidden engine a company needs to activate in order to really power up their hiring for graduate hiring. That's what I'm hoping for, is that with a good internal mobility engine, then that means you can train, you can grow people for many years, and then you can build a, a more diverse workforce, which is built from people from within coming straight out of school. So that'll be my pitch. And maybe Lindsay, if you want to poke holes in it, you're most welcome to do so and, and to expand our mind on how to build a good internal mobility program. So welcome to the show. Thanks, Max. I'm so excited to be here and definitely looking forward to that topic. I don't know that I'm going to poke holes necessarily, but excited for an interesting conversation. Thank you. And to kick things off, how did you end up in such a, you know, narrow, I would say specialized area of mobility at, at Randstad? Walk us through your career and how you ended up in the beautiful field that we're of people a strategy. Yeah, sure. No, happy to. So I've been here at Ron Stodd Rice Smart for a little over 10 years. I started when we were just Rice Smart, the very early days as a small Silicon Valley based startup looking to really disrupt the, the outplacement industry. So, the industry of supporting people who are impacted by layoffs find a new role. That was really the roots of our company. And since that time, you know, the company has really grown and expanded in terms of what we do and how we support our customers to really encompass the entire uh, employee life cycle. So, internal mobility, redeployment, all the way through to outplacement. And so obviously internal mobility today is such a hot topic for companies when the war for talent is such that you can't find people on the outside. It's an important time to start looking within. And so we do a lot of that. We offer services and, and technology to help with that and looking forward to you know, d diving into that topic. As far as per on a personal note, I got here, I, I started my career, I actually got a master's degree in career development. I was really passionate about psychology and careers and HR. So uh, that's the path my education took me and then stumbled upon, you know, a number of different roles, managing businesses, managing HR and some small businesses, coaching executives, writing resumes, all sorts of interesting things uh, as I went through graduate school and then ultimately came more specifically the out, outplacement space and now the talent mobility space. And I'm part of Ronstadt Ricemark's global leadership team. So excited to, to have the conversation. Well, uh, psychology is one of those departments that always produces great talent for the HR teams because you know, you have to have that sort of twisted mindset. Sorry, just poking <laughs> fun. But uh, you kind of have to have that curiosity to try to create these good environments and deal with the stresses of people. Maybe people from in talent acquisition these days, I see more and more who are coming from an analytics background and maybe more, you know, um, left brain thinkers. But there's these two elements, right? There's a psychology element and, and the analytics, which are both rising in demand. And perhaps uh, in talent acquisition, what's what's becoming less less frequent is the you know the more aggressive salesy kind of profile. The, the last two years must have been a very busy time for Rise Smart outplay. You know, if we're talking about outplacement and how is the market changing in the in the field of outplacement, which is I think unknown to most people outside of 
that up in the air movie with George Clooney. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. And I have to be honest, it's very much not like that movie. I can assure everybody. So just know that. I mean, you know, we've really, well, first of all, to answer your first question, what it's been like, I mean, obviously last year, 2020 was, was an incredibly difficult year for many companies, right? So many organizations were really negatively impacted by COVID. Their business models were turned upside down and they really struggled to find their way through the economic downturn that, that we experienced. So we definitely had a lot of our customers needing to have layoffs last year, unfortunately, which of course, you know, we'd much rather our customers retain talent and move talent and train talent and do all those things. But of course, last year, we saw a lot of companies needing to let people go. But at the same time, you know, there's always that other side of it. There were a lot of organizations that we work with that were in a good position as a result of COVID. They were in industries that were, you know, boom, on, on the flip side of that scenario. So in that case, we were able to really work hard with those customers who were having to let people go and those customers who were hiring to try to connect those dots and, and create as, as good of an outcome as possible for those employees who were impacted by layoffs because you know, for us, we're really focused on experience. We want the individuals to have who we work with to have as good of an experience as possible, have all the support they need. They get partnered with a coach. They get a brand new resume from a resume writer. We do a number of things to help them. And so for us, you know, we were really honored to be able to help a lot of people through a difficult time and found a lot of success helping them find new roles in the industries that we're hiring over that time. I, I've never received this Rolls-Royce service, but I've actually never suffered a layoff personally and on, on a personal level. But the career coach service, the outplacement service, is that something that is offered at scale or it's more for, you know, leaders, senior leadership and, you know, what are some of the best practices in, in this space for maybe the more high volume space? Yeah, it's a good question. And I think that it's a nuanced answer because I think, or not, I don't think, I know every company handles it differently. So on the one end of the spectrum, we have customers who truly are committed to equity and inclusion, and they believe that everyone should have equal access to services such as ours as part of their exit process from the organization. And so those organizations, whether you're at the you know most entry level of the company or you're the most senior executive, you're going to get outplacement services. And I, I do think that is the most fair and equitable approach because really we know that when people have our services, not only do they handle the transition better, they land into their new role much, much more quickly. So it, and that's good for the company, right? You save on severance, you save on unemployment insurance, depending on what country you're in and, and what those rules might be. But ultimately, I think that we, of course, always advocate for that approach. There are companies, however, that based on budgets or past, you know, past processes or whatever the case might be, they only offer our services to, you know, a certain level of employee up through, you know, their executive team. So it really depends on the company and, and what they're trying to achieve and, and their sort of point of view around who gets what and, and how much uh, and that kind of thing. And then as far as the, the best practices, I think that for us, it's really about tech and touch. We have a technology that we've built that helps match people to jobs, helps them prepare for the job search, helps them be effective. At the same time, like you, like you, you mentioned, we have coaches, people who work with us get unlimited coaching, they, they get that brand new resume. They have a job concierge, career concierge, who is really supporting them and finding opportunities, all of which sort of surround that person during this difficult time to help them be more successful. Because when you're out on your own, you know, it's challenging and you don't do a job search normally. So you don't know what to do. To your point, some people have never had to kind of go through that. So all of our services really help people be successful. 
Yeah, you anticipated my next question, which was around technology and, and automation. And of course, you're dealing with an, an emotional time when you need ideally a high touch approach with a human touch. Do you think that this domain still has room for automation? And you know, what does the crystal ball say on this one? Yeah, I think that, you know, like I mentioned earlier, we were born as a really a technology company. We've always had services, but really where we focused is how can we deliver a great experience through technology with the human touch to supplement it and really power the human touch through that technology. So I think when we think of automation, we think less about reducing the human touch and more about optimizing the human touch. So when we, we build backend systems, when we build tools in our portal that individuals use, we're really focused on how can we optimize a person's experience so that when they are leveraging our services, they and the coach are really focused on strategy, focused on the most important things, not doing things like trading emails on what time someone's available, right? We have self-scheduling, for example, or, you know, job matching. We don't want a person having to go out and, and spend hours and hours and hours looking online for jobs. Our technology, we have a patented matching technology that, that does the work for them a curated list of all of the opportunities out there, just down to the ones that are a best fit for them, their profile, their skills. So there's always room for additional efficiencies and creating greater experiences through technology, certainly. But I think for us, our DNA and our commitment to creating just what we would call a wow experience for people, it's never to replace the human element, but just to optimize it um, and make it even better. Amen. Amen. There's so much that can still be done around yeah, productivity of individual contributors. And I personally feel like my, my job has changed a little bit in the last two years with an increase in Zoom meetings, and obviously a decrease in traveling. Uh, so I feel like you know, the day-to-day job has changed a lot, uh, even though my remit and job title has remained intact. I'm wondering about moving on to, to internal mobility and the the way we market uh, our jobs to our employee. Generally, that's that's not something that's handled by the same team as the one that does uh, recruiting, right? Or do you find that there's a dedicated team just in you know in large companies, let's say, of many thousands of employees? Do they separate those two teams because we're dealing with different audiences with different expectations? Yeah, it depends. And again, I hate to keep saying it depends, but it really each customer handles this a little bit differently. And I think that the reality is most professionals would say or would agree to it's easier to find a job outside the company than it is to find a job inside the company. Right. And that's why so many people leave. I mean, there's a lot of stats being thrown around right now about you know, 95% of professionals are considering leaving their jobs or 75% of professionals are considering leaving their jobs right now, right? I mean, I'm sure the actual number is somewhere in the middle of, of all that. But ultimately, when you have a situation where it's easier for someone to find a job externally than it is for them to find a job internally, then of course, they're, they're going to go externally, right? Because it's the path of least resistance. And so from my perspective, and what I am seeing some companies move towards is treating internal talent acquisition with the same thought investment uh, teams as external talent acquisition. Because really, at the end of the day, from my perspective, it's all about talent pools. Your internal employees are just yet another talent pool for you to tap into. And, and you should be leveraging and optimizing that just as much as you are you know, university hiring or your early professional hiring or you know whatever other types of hiring you're, you're trying to do. And so from my perspective, at least, you should be making the same types of investments in that. But there's a big change management culture curve that has to happen in many organizations because what we find is a number of things. First and foremost, a lot of companies don't have a culture that's accepting of internal mobility. So 
managers hoard talent uh, or they penalize people who raise their hand and say, hey, you know what, I'm, I actually might want to try something new, right? And all of a sudden you're not getting projects, your manager won't talk to you and you know, you're worried you're going to get that pink slip, you know, the next time you talk, right? So there's a culture problem first and foremost in a lot of companies, whereas they say they want to do better internal mobility, but they haven't created an environment where that's accepted and encouraged and rewarded, frankly. So I think first and foremost, companies have to focus on the culture. And then from there, once you have the culture in place and managers and leaders on board, then you have to create the, the systems by which people can actually be mobile. Part of that comes down to do you have a profile of all of your employees, right? You would be surprised how many companies don't have something as basic as just an inventory of employee skills, for example, right? So in in order to enact internal mobility and do it well, you need to know what skills your your people have and you need to know what skills your organization needs to be successful and you need to bring those two together, right? So that's not happening in a lot of cases. And then furthermore, I think if you can think about it from a top-down or a bottom-up perspective. So top-down perspective is the culture change, the leadership, the workforce planning activities, all of that sort of thing. But then at the end of the day, you can workforce plan, you know, you can implement LMS systems, you can put, you know, training videos in place. But at the end of the day, if the individual employee doesn't understand what's in it for me, how does my making the effort to take control of my career, take that class, gain that skill, you know, apply for that job, if they don't understand why that's important and how that fits in for them and their future, they're not going to take action. They're not going to be motivated to do the things that are needed to make internal mobility successful. So our point of view, of course, somewhat selfishly, is that that everyone deserves a coach. Everyone deserves that one-on-one career support, right? And in a perfect world, everyone who wants it would have access. But, you know, of course, not everyone is is ready for something such as that. But we know that people are more successful when they have one-on-one support around their career. And most managers, let's be honest, are terrible at supporting their employees from a career perspective. So, you know, you kind of have to- You've said a couple of, you've had a couple of digs at managers for protecting their teams and- managers, I'm a manager, I have a team, right? (laughs) But I also, I'm also self-aware enough to realize that in, in a lot of cases, a manager has so much impact and control over the career of an employee that, you know, you have to really create a culture where part of a manager's job is getting great talent up and going into other roles within the company go a long way towards that internal mobility success. Yeah, yeah. It's that switch when the manager starts to see themselves as, you know, a path, you know, a stop along the way of a great career, sees themselves as a mentor who will help them get to the next step. It's, yeah, it takes a level of detachment from the day-to-day, which a level of maturity, which it takes a while to get there. Yeah. And just a commitment to the bigger picture, putting the good of the company over the good of me as, as a manager, right? And just my team. And I think that's part of it too. And, and that, again, it comes down to a culture, right? It comes down to an example that your leadership is setting for, you know, your directors, for your managers and, and kind of everyone. Do you think that, you know, there's a stats to say that new generations have a shorter attention span, more opportunities than ever, and everything is available at the click of a button these days. So that they're a little bit more high paced. And so do you think that the pace of internal mobility has changed to reflect that and that companies now are okay with you know people changing roles faster than they did five, 10 years ago? I think they have to be because if they're not okay with it, it's not going to change that that's the new reality, right? And so they need to figure out a way to be okay with it. And even 
create a scenario where people have the opportunity to do it. Because I think that people do have choices. And I also think that there's a lot of trend towards people not willing to put up with what they they have in the past from, from companies, from work, that sort of thing. Now, I do want to acknowledge that not everyone is in a privileged position to have that level of autonomy over their career, right? It's not available across the workforce. So I think it's important to recognize and acknowledge that. But I think for, you know, a lot of professionals today, you look at a lot of the studies and surveys and things that are going out there, but work-life balance, doing work that has purpose and meaning, you know, all of those things are so important. And then people are not willing to accept anything less. So they'll come to you, they'll work for you. But if they don't find that they have opportunity for growth, that they're learning, that they're engaged, that they're connected to something bigger than themselves, they will go somewhere else. And personally, I think companies should be more okay with that and recognize that while this great person may be leaving to go to another company, I'm probably gaining a great person from some other company, right? So it really almost creates an ecosystem where everyone is benefiting, where if I think all companies can get comfortable with the idea of mobility, get comfortable and committed to skilling their workforce and keeping people employable, everyone will then benefit from each other's investments versus this very narrow-minded view that we hear a lot is, well, I'm not going to invest in skilling my people because then they're just going to leave. So why am I going to do that? Right. Which is very prevalent. You'd be surprised. And to me, that's a very uh, short-sighted view and it's a very short-sighted approach because at the end of the day, there's a bigger societal commitment. I think that companies should have to, to their people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree that, but as a psychologist, you you can probably dig into the reasons why, I mean, it it just comes from a certain level of insecurity. Somebody leaves you and you feel you take it personally. But it's not about you, right? We have to leave our egos at the door in some cases with some of these things, right? If someone goes on to take a new opportunity, it's not about me. It's not about my company. It's that's what was right for them. And that's okay. And I need to be okay with that as a leader. And even in a lot of cases. Hey, I think you're so damn right. And it's so damn hard. (laughs) Can you please cut that out of the podcast and just give it to me in a little drive so I can share that with you? Yeah. I I wonder on the recruitment marketing side, do you think the the right approach is to go and promote and hunt these jobs out or or that would create too much disruption? Like to have a head of a department go speak to another department and say, you know, come and work for my team. Have you seen these companies where there's enough maturity and trust where that, that... Yeah, I absolutely have. Not a lot are there, right? But there are absolutely organizations that one comes to mind that we work with. It's a large technology company. They have about 70,000 employees globally, and they have a very robust, very mature kind of internal mobility mindset where they, they kind of buy into a lot of what I've said so far on this call, which is, you know, we are stewards of a person's career during the time they choose to be here. And so we're going to invest in them. We're going to make opportunities available and and we hope they stay, but if they choose to go, that's okay too, because that's what's right for them. And and kind of going back to your question, they actively encourage cross-functional networking, leaders getting exposed to people across the business, individual contributors, you know, professionals at all levels, being exposed to leaders, considering making career changes, considering joining different teams. You know, I think at the end of the day, a lot of companies are moving away from this concept, construct of, you know, you have a manager and then you have a team who work for that manager and that's sort of what they do to more of a dynamic, you know, skills-based, there's work that needs to get done within the company. Here's the people who happen to have the skills required to get that work done put those individuals together on a dynamic team, get the work done, and then they move on to the next dynamic team for the next body of work that needs to get done based on their skills. So 
I'm not suggesting that we're anywhere to eliminating the idea of a manager. I think even in that sort of more dynamic team environment, you're always going to need someone who is that that touch point for the individual to help direct and monitor and support and all of that. But I, I do think that you're going to find the borders, for lack of a better word, around groups of talent, which today we kind of call teams, being broken down a little bit and, and being more fluid, focused more on skills and work that needs to be done and less on, well, you know, that thing isn't part of the charter that I have, therefore I'm not going to commit any resources to it, right? Which is what you see in a lot of companies today. Just for the sake of debating, what if there was a counterpoint to internal mobility? What would it be? Is there, can you imagine a scenario where a company goes too far into this internal mobility business and just creates uh, havoc for them? Can you imagine such a scenario? You know, I'm trying to imagine it and I I think, well, no way. Like, of course, it's good for every department to know what the others are doing, but maybe at some point there's like an overload. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen that happen yet, but you know. And I very much believe in the in idea of the less rules, right? the less overly processed things can be, the better, right? I think that when you start to apply too many processes, too many rules, too many regulations, you inhibit growth, you inhibit innovation, you know, things like that. But, you know, of course, you don't want to create a scenario where people are hopping jobs every 30, 60 days or something like that. So I, I guess if there was a scenario where that was happening within a company, I could see that as being viewed as maybe not ideal necessarily, but short of that, I guess with a graduate management training program where we made them up department to department, but it was hard to get people to accept in our company. It just, yeah. Well, that's also during a discrete time too, right? It was a a special kind of insulated program, if you will, versus like the entire company is working in a, every 60 days, I'm moving on to a new role type of thing. That could be kind of, Uh, yeah, that would be hard. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. It's great because, you know, you feel like the people coming out of the program have, you know, more maturity than, than if they had just done one thing. So uh, I think it's, it's the way to go. And uh, if you can afford to do it, it's great. Right. And you can't really afford to do it. You know, you can't hire some top executives and say, all right, just bounce around for, for a year or two and tell me what you like. That would be tough. <laughs> so you're going to do that with the young talent, but I think it works, of course. And well, I normally ask two, two more questions to all of my guests, uh, which are a little bit outside of our topic. But, you know, the first one is technology that you use in your field that you think could lift an operations effectiveness. And you alluded to that a little bit saying simply, well, productivity tools like uh, scheduling and calendaring. Is that the first thing that comes to mind? I mean, yeah, it's sort of basic, but yeah, I think for me, as far as making the work we do more efficient, that that's part of it. I mean, I, I do think another technology that we have is called BrightFit that we've just recently released, which is really focused around helping an individual understand their skills, understand what opportunities in the broader job market have the the best outlook, and then matching those two things together. It's it's sort of like a GPS for your career to help you really navigate things. And so, you know, to me, to get to that conclusion, for an average person would take hours upon hours upon hours of research and interviews and, and digging and Googling and all sorts of things. So I think anytime you can consolidate the effort of something to help a person make a career decision and give them insights that really get them closer to being comfortable making a decision. To me, that's a great efficiency. While of course, I think what we've built is amazing. I'd love to see more companies focusing on that. It's really an employee experience consideration just across career decision-making and career pathing and, and all of that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, salaries are going up and, you know, many people are, are, you know, can I get a raise? 
And uh, then you need to be able to come up with an answer for that. So using the tool, like you, you mentioned, to, to say, well, you can get a raise if you move a little bit towards that direction, because that's where the market is becoming, right. where, where there's the most demand. Yeah. So it's a market-based approach to dealing with that situation. I think it works yeah. well. And then my last question, which is, you know, a bittersweet one, well, more bitter, really. It's about hiring mistakes that people make. And so as a manager, I know you've made hiring mistakes before. Oh, probably. Of and so just uh, if you could walk down memory lane, and uh, even if it's a suppressed memory, to, <laughs> to remember for our listeners what mistake that was and, you know, what they can learn from it. Yeah, I think for me, especially in our earlier days, working, you know, as a startup and, and whatnot, you know, you work very quickly, you're, you're moving at a million miles an hour and, and not always taking the time to really stop and think about what you need. So I certainly can think of times in my career where I've made a hire based on, you know, available information, but not given myself the time and space to think it through longer term and more strategically. And as a result, you know, might've been able to hire someone who was a slightly better skill fit for the long term versus just the immediate need, if that makes sense. So I think that I would call that kind of a hiring mistake is really mostly about just being very intentional, thinking it through and not making a gut decision, but a really well-informed database, if you will, longer term view type of decision around hiring. Now, what is this person going to be doing a year, two years, three years from now? Right. Uh, and is this person I'm looking at hiring right now capable to get there? Even if they're not here right now, do they have the capabilities to grow into that? And if not, then I need to really question if that's the right hire. Yeah. It's a delicate balance, right? Because if you interview somebody as if they were coming in for a VP role, and then you put them at a desk to handle uh, customer support, you know, there's going to be a bit of a gap between sure. the, the experience of the recruitment and then the, the reality of the job, but you know, somewhere in between. But even just things like growth mindset, curiosity, right? I think that there's some kind of baseline traits that can tell you that a person can be poised for greater things down the road, even if they're not ready for them today. Maybe not quite that leap, customer service to VP, but at a minimum, you know, customer service to maybe eventually being a manager of a, a customer service team, for example, I think thinking that through is really helpful. Yeah. I had an assessment vendor on the show that was saying that for positions that are indeed high volume, very repetitive, that they would ask questions to make sure they would, for people who are highly creative thinkers, they would downgrade their app. In other words. Oh, interesting. Okay. They'd be afraid that it would burn out through boredom. A I think that there's a right job for each person, right? And no matter what someone's skill set is, what someone's sort of a superpower is, if you will, that there's a place for everybody somewhere. Well, beautiful words up to finish our conversation. Thank you, Lindsay, for coming on the show. Of course. Thanks for having me, Max. I appreciate it. That was Lindsay Witcher from Renstat reminding us that Someone coming to work for you is only there for a little part of time, for a few years, if you're lucky. And that recruitment is a small step within a big step, which is joining your company, but in a very multi-step and many, sometimes many staircases experience, which is a career. So as Lindsay works on outplacement services, she reminds us as recruiters to always keep the long-term perspective of what a candidate has to do to progress in their career. And it's important as we're to keep that top of mind so that we don't solve short-term problems to create problems down the line with candidates that don't have a path for growth. Hope you enjoyed it and that you'll be back for more on the Recruitment Hackers podcast. Remember to share with friends. 